church. If you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, starting in verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth. A stranger, and not thine own lips. A stone is heavy, and the sand weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand against before envy? Open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. The fool soul loatheth an honeycomb, but the hungry soul, uh, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into the, to thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him that reproacheth me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Take his garment that is surety for a stranger, and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. Whoso hideth her, hideth the wind and the ointment of his right hand, which betrayeth itself. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Thank you. You may be seated. Please, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 7 as we start. And we'll just read a verse there as we begin this morning. And my message on this day of before Thanksgiving and what we're calling our friend day is Jesus is my best friend. It's a simple message from my heart. I hope that God would use this to all of our hearts as I press the case, as we've sung in the songs, that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the best friend that we can have in this world. And it's not, it's not just something, uh, it's not a slogan, it's not a cliche, but I pray that this could be a reality for us. Luke chapter 7, verse 34 I do have the verse on the screen. If you don't have it in your Bibles, let's all read it together. Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Let's read it out loud. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, now for this time. Thank you for our church here in this great city. Thank you for the faithful members of our church who love you so much, who are here today and faithfully here Sunday after Sunday. I thank you so much, God, for bringing us together as a church family right here in New York City. And thank you for the guests that we have with us. We have more, much more friends and visitors than usual, so we're really blessed and honored with that. And we're thankful for the food that we're going to receive at the end of this service, Lord, a Thanksgiving meal. And I hope that everyone can stay for that, Lord. They're certainly invited. So now bless us today and our time and fellowship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, and we are having a Thanksgiving meal after the service. And everyone, of course, is invited to stay for that. So Jesus is my best friend. I just found this online and I just thought it was so beautiful. It says, Jesus is the best friend you'll ever know. He'll never let you down. He will always be there for you. He can, you can lean on Him when you're feeling weak. You can talk to Him about anything. He loves you unconditionally. He will help you with any problem you have. He will always have the right answer for you. He will build you up when you're feeling down. He will guide your every step. Jesus is the best friend you'll ever know. Friendship is so useful in this world. We need friends. 
God did not live us, make us to live lonely in this world. Friends are necessary, a necessary part of life. The, the man who has one true friend is not about to be ruined. One true friend really is all you need in this life. The significance of friends is not found in their quantity, but their quality. The right kind of friends, the wise friends. The best friend you can have in this life, I want to again press this case today, is Jesus Christ. He will be your best friend forever. We often hear that, BFF. Well, no, nobody here, well, I guess if they're saved, you'll be a friend with them in heaven. But Jesus will be your best friend there for sure, won't He? And I really do mean your best friend forever because eternal life is also a reality. And so let's today, my goal and my heart in, in this message is that all of us can truly say, I want Jesus Christ to be my best friend. Sometimes human friendship can be hollow. Sometimes human friendship can be difficult. You, how many of you have ever been backstabbed by somebody that you thought was a friend? I, I was playing midget football when I was a kid, and I was playing against another team, and one of my good friends was on the other team. And I remember I twisted and, and sprained my ankle in this particular game, and my friend, I thought he was my friend, he started laughing and mocking me. I know I was on the other team, but still... That broke our, our friendship. So, and that hurt me a lot as a sixth grade boy, you know, to be stabbed in the back and betrayed. Sometimes people use you. Sometimes people hurt you in this world. Sometimes even your best friend. And that hurts. So, again, think of this verse. This is what they were saying about Jesus. They said, look at him. He's come eating and drinking. And, and, and look, at they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber. In other words, they're saying that Jesus lacks self-control. He's a gluttonous man. He can't control his appetites. A wine-bibber, he can't control his drinking. He's out of control. He lacks self-control. And he's a friend of publicans and sinners. And they said this to mock him, that he's a lowlife. He, he hangs out with the lowest forms of people. Of course, publicans were the schemers of the day. They're tax collectors, the cheats and the sinners, those who had no faith or walk with God. So they mock Him. So this idea of Jesus being a friend of publicans and sinners, the amazing thing is, when it was given, it was given by the enemies of Jesus. It was spoken in jest. It was spoken in hateful pride. It was spoken as a slur. To shame Jesus Christ. To mock Him. And isn't it amazing that today we take this which was originally a slur and we give Him praise. Jesus, what a friend of sinners. <laughs> Jesus, lover of my soul. Because one thing we all are is schemers and sinners. And we need a friend like that who will be our friend, Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. The friendship of Jesus. Spurgeon, I love Spurgeon, you know, he said this about this passage. He said, where they poured out vials of hate upon Jesus by really mocking Him and, and trying to make low of Him as a low life and as lacking self-control. They were pouring out vials of hate on Him. But through that, our praise to God, odors of sweet incense arise. Jesus, what? A friend for sinners. So I want to just speak to you and give you a few reasons why we ought to be able to say that Jesus is my best friend. Is that okay? I want to just share this with you. A simple message. Why we ought to be able to say, Jesus Christ, will you be my best friend? And when we come to the end of this service, I'm going to offer a prayer for all of us, and especially those who don't know Jesus Christ, that you could invite Him to come into your heart and life that He will walk with you out of this place and never leave you or forsake you and be your best friend through the rest of your life. That's a good deal, right? Amen. The first thing why Jesus Christ is the best friend you can have in this world is because He forgives your sins. Who here does not need a friend who forgives? That's why the publicans and sinners came to Jesus, because they knew He would receive them. He was forgiving 
And as we said already, publicans and sinners, we all are. Sinners and schemers. But Jesus Christ is so gracious and so good, He shed His blood to die on the cross, to forgive us continually of our sin, with deep compassion, and to, to, and to forgive us completely of all our sins. Now, no doubt you want an earthly friend if you mess up a little bit, and we all mess up in our friendships. In marriage, we need a, a husband and a wife who's forgiving, or else the marriage can't survive. You can't survive a relationship without forgiveness, a human relationship. So we want human friends to forgive, but there's no friend who can forgive you of all your sins like Jesus Christ can. So here's the story. You know the story, right? I love this picture. As this man actually had four friends. And they carried him and brought him up to the flat roof of this ancient home and they were able to open up the ceiling. And I, I, when I think of this story, I always think of the dust and the dirt flying around. As they open up the ceiling and all the people are below listening to Jesus. And they're thinking, what an inconvenience. You're messing up. You're me making a mess here. You open up the ceiling. And all the dust and dirt is coming in as they're opening up the ceiling. But Jesus doesn't stop them. Those four friends of this Sick man were so determined to get their friend to Jesus Christ. But even though this man had four friends, those four friends could not forgive him of his sins the way Jesus could. Because Jesus looked down at him in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, and He said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins be forgiven thee. So that's the point here. He had four friends. But they couldn't forgive him of his sin. Only Jesus could. And when Jesus said that, take up your bed and walk. He was healed immediately. So I don't understand it all, but it, it's apparent that it was his sin in this instance that caused his physical incapacitation. And once forgiven, he was able to rise up and walk. What a friend we have in Jesus the Scripture says, can you read Isaiah 43.25 with me? I, even I, am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. So I say, come now, friends. You know you've sinned. We all have. I know I've sinned against God. And if I had to pay for my sins, I know where I'd go and spend eternity. And it wouldn't be heaven. It would be hell. And we need to be forgiven of our sins because we don't want to stand before God and have to answer for our sins before a holy God. Because the penalty of your sins and mine is death. And the reason Jesus Christ could forgive us of our sins is He took the full penalty on Himself when He died on the cross. And because He was without sin, the only sin which was in His body when He died on the cross was yours. And mine. And the sins of the world. And when He rose again, He breaks the power of that sin. So He has the power to forgive. The power to save. And that's why Jesus would be the best friend we can ever have. And we should all be able to say, I must have Jesus as my best friend. Because He forgives my sins. The second reason that I have to share with you why Jesus should be your best friend is because a good friend listens to your heart. Don't you want to have a friend who listens to you? Listens to you not just when days are good, but when you, you, maybe you have some complaints. Maybe you want to complain to somebody a little bit. Don't, don't you just need somebody to complain to sometimes, you know? Well, who here doesn't need a friend to listen really to your heart, your cares? Your worries, your fears, your hurts, your tears, and bear them all. First Peter 5.7 says, Casting all your cares upon Him. Because He cares for you. And you know what that means? He really, personally, factually, has an interest in your worries. Casting all your worries upon Him because He has an interest in those things that are bothering you. Another great story. 
of Jesus is when Bartimaeus, and actually there was another, were two blind men. Some, Mark, some Gospels just tell us Bartimaeus, but Matthew's Gospel tells us there were two blind men. But you know the story of Bartimaeus as he cried out for Jesus. And what were the people around him? What were the disciples even saying to Bartimaeus? Hold your peace. Jesus is busy. He doesn't have time for you right now. He's got places to go. He has important people to meet. Be quiet. It even says they rebuked Bartimaeus for shouting. And when they rebuked him for to, to quiet down, guess what? He got louder, that's right. Even more. And he said, Son of David! Wow, he recognized Jesus was the Messiah. He recognized that Jesus Christ was the physical seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then David, and that out of David will be the king of Israel. And Bartimaeus believed that Jesus Christ was this promised seed, the one who would crush the curse and deliver the world from sin. Son of David, have mercy on me! He wasn't bothering Jesus. And you know, do you know the Bible says something in this story? that nowhere else in the life of Jesus it happens just like this. Do you know what? Something Jesus does in this story, He doesn't do anywhere else. And it says, Jesus stood still. He stopped. He was a man on the move. And Jesus knew His time was short. You're busy. I know I'm busy. We're busy, right? Jesus, think of how short His time was on earth. And He did have a lot to do in the time He was here. And yet He stood still. Only time in the, in the Gospels it says Jesus stood still. Because He was always on the move, if you will. But He stood still, why? To listen. And to listen to the hurts. And to listen to the heart of Bartimaeus. To give full attention To Bartimaeus, he stood still. And he did it for such a man that we would consider a nobody. Bartimaeus was a beggar, a blind man, a a, a nobody from human perspective. But there is no nobody in God's sight. We're all loved by the Lord. And you are loved by the Lord. And He will stand still. And listen to your heart. And it says, when he stood still and he heard his cry, it says he had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received sight and they followed Jesus. What a friend. And that's why I say today, I believe we should all have Jesus Christ as our best friend forever because He forgives our sins And He listens to our cares and our fears. And the third thing is this. You should have Jesus as your best friend because He speaks to your need. He'll speak to your need like no one else can speak to your need in this life. Now, don't you want to have a friend if you share your hurts and heart? That they'll give you some wise advice. You want wisdom from a friend, don't you? You want wise friends. So they'll be able to help you and give you counsel. So here, in this, under this point, I'm going to ta- tell you, just, I'm going to reference the story of the man born blind, and I'm going to apply these two Proverbs to this story. Now, I've been doing a series in Proverbs, just for our visitors to know. And this is actually the last sermon in Proverbs, although it's not really all about Proverbs, but I'm going to bring in Proverbs. Uh, because I've been preaching in Proverbs, and I have been kind of waiting for this day to preach some of the friend verses in Proverbs. So I'm not just, it's not, it's really centered around Jesus and the story, some stories uh, and narratives from the, the, the life of Jesus. But I'm going to bring in some Proverbs now. And notice these two Proverbs. I'm going to apply them to the story of the man born blind. So I hope, I don't, I don't want to lose you here. So let's read these Proverbs. It says, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. And the second one, say it with me. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the counsel of his friend. 
So this, this says that if, that we need a friend, the first one says, who will sweeten your life. Who will sweeten your life with the counsel. The sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. The second emphasizes you want a friend who will sharpen your life. You want a friend who will counsel and encourage you with words that will sharpen you and, and equip you to face whatever you're going through. That's the kind of friend we need. A friend who will sweeten our life and sharpen our life. Now, I also want to say this about that, that top verse. Because you notice how I highlighted those two words there? Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So you want a friend who will do what? Bring sweetness to your life and, and do what? Rejoice your heart. Give you hope. Give you hope. Don't you want a friend who will rejoice your heart? And it says the sweetness of a man's friend does this by hearty counsel. So notice the word heart there. You want your heart to rejoice and your heart rejoices when what kind of counsel do you receive? Counsel from the heart. Or if you will, the soul. It's, it's even actually that word hearty counsel, it's, it's the word soul counsel. In other words, you want someone to tell you wise words from their soul that will get and, and that will reach your what? Your heart. That will rejoice your heart and sweeten your life. That's, that's how I read that verse. Ointment and perfume. Rejoice the heart. But so does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel or counsel from the soul. So, let's apply these two. Go to John chapter 9. And I would like to, if you could turn there. I don't have these verses on the screen. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals this man who was blind from his birth. And you know what he does? He gives him hearty counsel. He gives him counsel from his soul. And this counsel is going to rejoice his heart. And it's in John chapter 9... And verse number 6 and 7, in John chapter 9, Jesus, and it says, when He had thus spoken, He spat on the ground, because there was this man born blind there, and He made clay of the spittle. So think of this. He makes clay with His saliva. And then, what does He do with it? He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He put His saliva-clay mixture how would you like to have Jesus' saliva in your eyes? I, I, if, I don't want your saliva in my eyes, but I'll take Jesus. That's because he's my best friend, okay? This is, only a friend would do this to somebody else. Isn't that something? And so he put this mud mixture in this man's eyes, and then he told him, it says, he said to him in verse 7, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and he washed and he came seeing. <laughs> so, he now where he was, the pool of Siloam, you could actually go to a map of ancient Jerusalem and you'll see he had to walk to the southern part of, of the old city of Jerusalem and there's a pool there. They, they, they say this is the pool of Siloam. You could actually go and visit this pool. So this isn't just... This, this, you know what I love about the Bible too? is The places it mentions, it's real history. You could actually go there and see these places. So he told him, walk down there with this mud in your eye. Can you imagine? Walking around town with mud in your eye. Where are you going with that mud in your eye? Jesus told me. He gave me hearty counsel from His soul. And I'm going to listen to Jesus. You know, sometimes you'll find yourself, when you start following Jesus, you'll find yourself doing stuff that you never would have done otherwise. <laughs> he'll, he'll have you do that. I never, like, I cannot imagine. I mentioned to you, I was in, I was in Grand Central Station passing out gospel tracts. And I wouldn't do that on my own. You kidding me? That's only because of Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I'm just doing the best I can to share the gospel with other people. So you'll find yourself doing things for Jesus you never thought you'd do when you listen to His counsel. But you know His counsel is from His heart. It's from His soul. And it's going to sweeten your life. It's going to bring rejoicing to your life. 
So Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he washed the mud out of his eyes. He probably thought, wow, that feels good. And he opened his eyes and boom! He could see! Don't you think he rejoiced? You see, hearty counsel sweetens his life. And it rejoices his heart. But as you read this whole story, we won't read the whole thing. Basically, the Jewish people hated Jesus so much, they put this man out of the synagogue when they found out Jesus healed him. And now, even though he's, now he can see and he can enter mainstream of his, his community, but now because he's associated with Jesus Christ, he's being ostracized out of the community still. And so he doesn't have any friends. Even the, his mother and father, they, they went to his parents, and the Jewish people said to his parents, how did your son become be able to see like this? And they said, you, you ask him. They were so afraid of what the Jewish people would do with them and ostracize them and excommunicate them from the synagogue that they didn't want to even say and answer on behalf of their son. And so he's been put out of the synagogue. But look what it says. I want you to look in John chapter 9. And look please in verse 35. And the, the last words, words of verse 34, it says they cast him out. There it is. They cast him out of the synagogue because he was defending Jesus Christ and his power to cleanse him of, and to heal him of his blindness. And then it says in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? So here's a good friend now. He's going to speak again to his need. And he asked him this question. Do you believe on the Son of God? So now is the second part of this proverb. The second proverb I shared. Iron sharpens iron. Jesus is now going to speak words because He's sharp. Jesus is sharp. He's a sharp instrument that's able to sharpen others. Is the idea here. You want friends who are sharp that can help you be sharper and sharp as well. So iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so Jesus comes alongside this man. He's been ostracized. You know, and I'm going to just tell you today too. Because I want Jesus Christ to be your best friend. That's what I'm saying. Correct? I want, and he, he is worthy to be all of our best friend. And that's what we're saying. But... Not everybody's going to be happy about that if you make that decision. There will be people who actually think, have you lost your mind? Are you off your rocker? What got into you? Jesus is your friend now? What? There's going to be people surprised and they might even cut you off out of their life. They might. That's what happened to this man. It happened to me when I became saved. The friends that I used to hang out with and drink with and smoke weed with and curse with and do other things that I'm ashamed to admit now, they cut me out of their life. But that's okay. I went to the house of God and I found, I found beautiful friends in church. Actually, where's Mark, boys? Where's Mark? Oh, Mark, yeah, there you are. It's dark. I didn't see you there. Okay. I've known Mark since about 1990. I met Mark in our second church we started in New York City in Queens. And we were talking yesterday. It was Mark's birthday yesterday. And we, took, we went out and had a Red Lobster lunch with, with him. And we were just talking about that, that church that we were in in Queens and how we had beautiful people in that church. We had such a, so many wonderful people, and a number of them are with the Lord now including Mark's mom and dad. I preached the funerals of both Mark's mom and dad. His dad was a deacon in our church, actually, at Parkway Baptist Church. A lovely man, a great servant. And his mom loved the Lord. And they're both with Jesus Christ. But I, I was just, we were just reminded of the beautiful friendships you find in church. And I guarantee you, you know, this church is the same. There's a beautiful people at Heritage Baptist Church and and I love you so much, and I know you love us, and we love one another. We're not perfect, and sometimes we get on each other's nerves, for sure. I understand that in relationships that happens, but, but we're here to encourage one another, to be friends with one another. And sometimes the world just doesn't want to have much to do with us, so praise God we can come to church, and we can fellowship and have this in common. 
But, getting back to what Jesus told this man. He asked him this question. Dost thou believe on the Son of God? That's the question of questions, isn't it? Do you believe? Do you believe on the Son of God? And, he, and the man said, Who is He, Lord, that I might believe on Him? You see, he needed to know more about Jesus. He knew that Jesus healed him of his blindness, but he didn't really know much beyond that. And so Jesus found him, and, and now He's going to sharpen him even more and equip him. As it says here, look what it says on the screen. A friend will sharpen your character to what? To face the adversity and the troubles and trials of life. A friend will come alongside you and sharpen your personality and your character. And so then Jesus said, said to him, when he asked, so this man, the, the, blind, the man who had been blind, asked Jesus a question with his question. Jesus asked him a question. Do you believe on the Son of God? And he answered that with a question. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe? And now look at Jesus. Only Jesus could say this. Jesus said to him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talks with you. Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. And he knew who he was. And he's not a liar. And then this man said, Lord, I believe. I, I, I believe. Just simple like that. He didn't have to go to church. He was, he was outside the, the temple. He, he wasn't in a religious place. He had been cast out by the religious people. But he said, Lord, I believe. And that's a, that's a simple salvation right there. Salvation is just believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the one who died on the cross and rose again for our sins. And then He worshipped Him. And only God is worthy of our worship because Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus received that worship. So isn't this beautiful? Jesus gave Him counsel from His heart to His, to his heart. And it, it, it brought rejoicing to His life, sweetness. Sweetness to His life and healing of His blindness. And then Jesus went back to Him when He was discouraged and pushed out by everyone else. And Jesus gave Him counsel that would sharpen Him to face the troubles of life. Because when Jesus is your friend, it doesn't mean you won't have trouble. You need to be sharpened. But He'll make your life sweet through all that. The fourth thing is, and this is why we need Jesus as our best friend, we all want a friend who will speak to our need, who will forgive our sin, who will listen to our heart. But who here doesn't need a friend who will sometimes just come looking for you? Don't you want your friends to sometimes just seek you out, pursue you a little bit? Especially if you're depressed, you just like don't want to talk to anybody, but... Your friend knows you're discouraged, but they say, I know you're depressed, you're discouraged, and I know you're going to probably bite my head off, <laughs> but I'm going to take that risk and I'm going to seek you out. That's the kind of friend Jesus is. He seeks us out. And here in Luke chapter 19, this is a famous story. These are all famous stories that many of us, are, I know you're, you're familiar with them. In Luke chapter 19, and I love the gospel narratives. My favorite passages in the Bible are definitely the miracles and stories of Jesus and about Him. But when He went and pursued after Zacchaeus, a good friend seeks you out. Do you know how, how much Jesus pursued Zacchaeus? He left heaven to find him. <laughs> and He left heaven to find you too. He seeks us out to save our soul. And a good friend will come and seek you out. And so there's Jesus, He's walking on the way, passing through Jericho, and He's going to the cross. He's going to Jerusalem to die. But on the way, as He's passing, there's this little guy, you know the story, you sang the story, you know, there, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, right? Uh, this little guy went up into the sycamore tree, for the Lord, I'm, I'm virtue the song, for the Lord He wanted to see, and Jesus saw him and said, Zacchaeus, come down for him what? For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. That's what he said. He said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go home with you today. I'm going to enter into your house. 
I want to talk with you. I want to hear from you. I'm seeking you out. So he left heaven to pursue Zacchaeus. And it says in Luke chapter 19, verse 5, and Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to Zacchaeus, make haste. That means quick. Come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Abide, he says. And when, he, and when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, you know what Zacchaeus did? He confessed his sin. He said, I've been a cheat. He's one of the publicans. He, he'd been a cheating tax collector. He had robbed people. He extorted money from them. And he, he told the Lord, Lord, half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. He had stolen so much he could give half of it away because he knew it was stolen property. And he says, if I've taken anything by false accusation, I'll restore them fourfold. He was willing to go beyond what even the law said. And so Zacchaeus confessed his sin to Jesus. And you know what Jesus told him? Because he's seeking out Zacchaeus to do what? To save his soul. And Jesus said to him in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man... Or, or verse 9, he says, This day is salvation come to this house... For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, salvation has come. And then he says in verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow. So he seeks us out to save our soul, but he seeks us out then, once we're saved, to stick with us. To stick with us. And here's another proverb. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And what's the last part of this proverb? Can you say it with me? It says, And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Interesting, I looked up this word sticketh in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, in the, because this is Old Testament, Old Testament written in, in Hebrew, and it only appears three times. One of the times it appears, remember the, remember the, the seraphim angels that were in the holy of holy place? that was, were, was made of, of gold, and they stretched out their wings. Remember that? And how many of those angels were there? There were two of them. And you know when one stretched out his wings, the one wing reached, hit the wall. Of the, I'm talking about the tabernacle that Moses built. It hit the wall. And the other wing went to the center of the room. And then when you put the, the wing of the other cherubim, the other cherubim hit the wing. It it's, it touched the wing. And that's the word here, actually. It stuck to the wing of the other... And then, and then the other wing of the cherubim hit the other wall. Okay, so the wings went through... It was not a very wide room, but it went through... It went the width of the wall, but in the middle where the wings met, they stuck. And they were always together and never apart. And so thank God for our friend Jesus. He sticks with us. He never leaves us. And there's no friend like Jesus. He'll always stick with you. Through difficulties and trials. When you go through changes of life. I mean, don't you think Zacchaeus' life changed when he met Jesus as a tax collector? He, what, he couldn't do it, the things he was doing anymore. His whole life changed. And the last thing I want to say is of Jesus being such a great friend. And we need a friend like Jesus who will forgive us of our sins. Who will listen to our heart. Who will speak to our need. Who will seek us out. But who here doesn't want a friend who will lift you up? Don't you want a friend who will lift you up when you're in trouble? When you're sinking? You know the story here, right? You know the story. But let's look at the proverb first. Proverbs 17. Can you read it with me? Can you see it? It says, isn't that a beautiful picture? A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Hardship puts friendship to the test. But friends are made for hard times. And so the story here is Jesus Christ Puts the disciples in the boat. Jesus praying on the mountain. The big storm. And they're rolling with all their might. Where are they going? <laughs> where, where are they going? They're rowing with all their might. The water's filling the boat. And they're rowing and putting every ounce of energy. We've got to get to the other side. We've got to make it. Where are we going? Nowhere. 
<laughs> they're not going any. Literally, they're not going anywhere. But here comes Jesus. Ah, it's a ghost. You know, you gotta love these stories. <laughs> oh, ah, who is that walking on the water? It's a ghost. They first said, and then Peter said, "Wait, wait, Lord." Because he heard the voice of Jesus, he says, "Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid." Wait, that's the voice of Jesus. That was Je- this. Peter, Lord, if that's really you, let me come out there and walk on the water with you. And you know, he jumped out of the boat. As soon as he was out of the boat, and he saw, what did he see? He saw the wind and the waves. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink down. And just at that moment, he cried, Lord, save me! Save me, Jesus! And it says, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And what's the word after and? Immediately. Boom! Jesus lifted him up. He stretched forth his hand and he caught him. We need a friend like that who will hear our cry. Desperation. Who will come, come to us when we need him and lift us up. Sometimes our human friends, we might call them and they're not available. Oh, I'm busy, man. I'm sorry. I'm working now. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go to the airport. My, I gotta pick up my dad. Oh, somebody just died. I have to get on a plane and, and go to, to Mozambique or wherever it is. I don't know. But Jesus Christ, He's always there. He sticks closer than a brother. And He'll lift you up in times of trouble. So as I close, I want to share the story of a very famous friendship. These two men, have you ever heard of Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo? They played on the Chicago Bears in the late 1960s, 1967 actually. It was the first time that NFL players of different colors were put together as roommates. And not only were they of different ethnicity, but they had completely different personalities as well. In other words, Gail Sayers would never have chosen Brian Piccolo as a friend, humanly speaking. And Brian Piccolo would never have chosen Gail Sayers as a friend. Because Gail Sayers was an established star. He was an already, in, in 1967, he had led the NFL in rushing in 1966. He had... He had overcome a long string of, you know, remember Jim Brown, the great runner for the Cleveland Browns? Gail Sayers gained more yards that year than, than even Jim Brown. Or, you know, he took over that, that championship from, from Jim Brown. And so he, he was an established star. But Gail Sayers was also very soft-spoken. Meanwhile, Brian Piccolo was a talker, a joker, an outgoing person. And he wasn't a star. He, he barely made the team. He was undrafted out of college, whereas Gail Sayers came out of college. I mean, he was, they called him the Kansas Comet. You should go on YouTube and watch Gail Sayers run. It is unbelievable how he could run with the football. Brian Piccolo couldn't run like that. He, he barely made the team. And he was trying to just hang on for a job. And so there they were, this quiet, Man, Gail Sayers was very quiet too, with Brian Piccolo very loud and boisterous, the star with the scrub, and the black man with the white man. First time that ever happened in the NFL where they put a black and a white person, uh, men, to, to be roommates together on the road. And guess what? They became great friends. You know why? They had adversity. First, Gail Sayers blew out his knee. As great a running back as he was, he had such knee problems, his career was shortened. And in 1968, Piccolo unselfishly supported Sayers' attempt to come back from the first of several knee injuries. And even though he was in competition to be a running back, because Brian Piccolo wanted to play, he supported Gail Sayers. He knew Gail Sayers was such a great player. And he wanted Gail Sayers to, to reach that, that greatness again. 
And so Piccolo unselfishly supported his attempt. And sure enough, Gail Sayers, after a, a, a knee injury in 1969, he once again led the NFL in rushing. Here they are, by the way. That's uh, Piccolo's number 41. Gail Sayers is number 40. But then, that year, where Sayers was having a great comeback, this is in 1969, Piccolo received a diagnosis of late-stage cancer. And just like Piccolo had stood with Gail Sayers when he was rehabbing from his knee injury, Gail Sayers then stood with Brian Piccolo and stood by his side as he was basically dying from late-stage cancer. And at the end of that football season, because Sayers had made such a great comeback and overcome some really serious knee injuries, he was to receive the league's Courage Award, the George S. Hallis Courage Award. And he came right here to New York City to give that speech while Brian Piccolo was right here in New York City at Sloan Kettering Cancer Hospital. And Gail Sayers said of Brian Piccolo that night when he received that award, Sayers said, Brian Piccolo has the heart of a giant. And that rare form of courage that allows him to to deal with any opponent, even cancer. And he went on to say that Piccolo has the mental attitude that makes me proud to have a friend who spells out the word courage 24 hours a day. And then Gail Sayers said, this award is mine tonight, but I'm going to give this courage award to the one who really deserves it, to Brian Piccolo. And the whole place stood with great emotion. And this is Gail Sayers that night. That's not Brian Piccolo. That's a, a Joe Cap. He was a quarterback on the Vikings. Of course, Piccolo was in the hospital. And actually, he died 22 days after Gail Sayers received this George S. Hallis Award uh, for his comeback in 1969. And you say, why am I telling you this story? Okay, I'm telling you this story because of this. Just as Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo never thought they could have a friendship with one another because they were so different and, and it, it wasn't like a friendship they would naturally have chosen themselves, but, but sovereignty brought them together to help one another through adversity. They never thought they would be friends with one another. And maybe you've never thought that Jesus Christ could be your friend. And I'm begging you to let him be your best friend. Let's stand together as we pray. By the way, there was a great movie called Brian's Song. The story of Gail Sayers, one of the most watched made-for-TV movies of all time, one of the most beloved sports movies of all time. Let's pray. Lord, today you stand at the door and knock. And just like you wanted to eat dinner with Zacchaeus and go to his house, you stand at the door of all of our hearts and you knock today. And we know, Lord, on the side of the door upon which you're knocking, in a sense, there's not a handle. There's not a door handle. We have to open the door for you, Lord. You're not going to break into our lives. And I pray, God, that we would all just open the door. Would you just do that today, dear friends? For those who are saved, just open your heart's door again and say, yes, Lord, I tell you, maybe for the hundredth time, you're my best friend. I don't think Jesus ever gets tired of hearing that from our hearts. When you're somebody's friend, you love to tell them, you're my best friend. When you love your wife, you don't just tell her once. You tell her over, I love you. You're my friend, my best friend on earth. But Jesus Christ wants to be your best friend. And he stands at the heart door of your life and knocks. And he said, I'll go to your house. Just like he went to Zacchaeus' house. He said, I'll come into your house with you. I will abide with you and you will abide with me. 
That's the Christian relationship. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I will abide in you. And I will be with you. And I will eat with you. And I will sup with you. That's what Jesus says here. I will come in and I will, I will dine with you and eat with you and, and you with me. How many here today would say, Pastor Matt, I'm a Christian and I do know Jesus as my Savior and I love Him and He's my best friend. Can I just see your hand? Let's put it up to the Lord. Say, yes, Lord. Thank You, Father, for Your love. Thank You, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank You, Jesus, for listening. Thank You, Jesus, for speaking to my heart. Thank You, Jesus, for lifting me up and seeking me out. Thank You, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure I'm saved, but today I, I, I need Jesus as my Savior and my friend, and I'm willing to call on Him. I want, to, I want Him to be my friend today too. I need this friend that you're talking about who will lift me up, seek me out, speak to my need, listen to my heart, and forgive my sin. I need a friend like this. Is there anyone who'd say, yes, Pastor Matt, I want Jesus as my friend and my Savior. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone at all? Just put your hand up that I could see. You know, I don't see any hands, but that's okay. Because I'm going to offer a prayer today. And I ask you to, if you're here today and you're not saved, you know, the Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here without Christ, just pray this simple prayer from your heart. Dear Lord God, I call on You in the name of Jesus Christ. And I ask for You to forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner. And because of my sins, I'm worthy of death and hell. Save me now, Lord. I trust in You, Jesus Christ, to save me. And forgive me. Bring me to heaven. Help me now to live for You. In Jesus' name. With our heads still bowed and eyes still closed, is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, to the best of my understanding and with faith, I, I prayed a prayer along with You and asked Jesus to save me. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, I just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save me. Is there anyone? Can I just see Your hand? That I could... God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord, for these. May you please work mightily in all of our hearts and all of our lives. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.